cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C. and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Well, there's going to be some noise in the background, so we're going to be probably playing a lot of audio clips to get rid of that noise. Um, they're, they're, like I said, uh, for weeks now, they're tearing down this building. It's a 12-story building, and it's about 50 yards outside of our studio window, and if that. <laughs> and they're, they're taking it down floor by floor with a jackhammer, and um, it's, it's incredible. It really is this, to see it. Uh, the way they're taking this building down is they're not taking a big wrecking ball or explosives. Uh, they're just doing it floor by floor. It's an amazing feat, really. It's a lot of work to to take a building down, but that's what's happening. So we will be playing more audio clips than usual because when I play the audio clip, I can mute the studio, and uh, that's that's how we're going to be probably doing shows for the next couple of weeks. Um, because, uh, I don't know, it's getting close. It's getting louder and louder. Anyway, um, the uh, Ukraine thing is uh, kind of interesting. Um, that's heating up. Uh, we have a bunch of audio clips, one from yesterday that I wanted to play. I thought that Rebecca Koffler, Rebecca Koffler gave a really great presentation but when you think about Ukraine, you, you not only think about the idea that not only can we not win the war, right? And then there are new developments uh, with Putin. Putin has come out and basically um, said uh, that, you know, there's going to be an alliance with China, uh, that we're pulling out of a smart treaty, which was probably something we were going to do anyway. Nobody was really honoring that. But pulling out of the smart treaty uh, and pushing Tucker Carlson, we're going to have a clip from him. Basically what Biden and Jake Sullivan and uh, Susan Rice and the Obama team have done is they've given a reason for uh, a new world order that is going to be more polarized than ever. And 
America will no longer be the superpower once Russia and Mo- and China get together. They control the supply chains. They control the world's largest landmass. They, uh, BRICS itself controls most of the people in the world. So we're pushing them. And this is something I've been saying for a long time, is we're literally, with this stupidity over Ukraine, making a, basically it's a no-choice situation that Russia and China are going to align with each other. And when you take a look at BRICS, BRICS is uh, Brazil, Russia, um, it's uh, India. You know, you take a look at where Brazil's going with its election, with Bolsonaro gone and Lupia, uh, the new leader um, that's um, in Brazil. He's a radical socialist. You're going to see more people flooding out of Brazil, probably into the United States. You're starting to see more people come from Canada into the United States as well. So when you think about that, you got Brazil, a socialist country. You got Canada. Canada's a socialist country. Biden's a socialist. You got New Zealand's Jacinda Ardern just stepped down. She was a socialist. You got the new leader of Scotland that's a socialist. Um, basically, uh, they had a re- they had a resignation of their former leader, who was pushing trans in locker rooms and and uh, trans in in prisons, and she got fired for that. She got impeached. She got thrown out of office. And the new guy that's replacing her is just as bad. So why is it that the Klaus Schwab World Economic Forum corporate social uh, good is dictating the terms of our elected politicians? And how are they pulling this off when the the bulk of the people are saying, no, we don't want this? Like, for example, there's a new poll in Ukraine 17% 17% of all Republicans now think like Lindsey Graham and Brian Kilmeade, which is to say Ukraine is in excess. We need to win in Ukraine or we, this is the last battle that we will ever have. Like we have to win in Ukraine at all costs, right? But when you think about it, Russia would pull out of Ukraine if they if they were given 20% of Ukraine and keep the 5% that represented Crimea. That's 25% of Ukraine. But Brian Kilmeade and, and Lindsey Graham, they don't want to give that to Russia to end the conflict. They would rather instead start World War III. And you say, you ask the other question, well, what about, would you ever do that? And I would say, no, I would never want to do that, but I'm not in that situation where I'm given a Hobson's choice. I mean, basically, when you're given a choice between the lesser of two evils, you take the one, the lesser of two evils. That's why I never understood when morons would say, I don't like Donald Trump, but I don't like Hillary Clinton either, so they would write something else in. And next thing you know, um, they, 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 uh, got, they got the corrupt politician rather than the uh, leader that they didn't understand. See, Donald Trump was a leader that many people didn't, didn't understand. And they couldn't get around to voting for him. But they couldn't get around to voting for Hillary Clinton either. And next thing you know, um, well, in that case, Trump won. But, I mean, you take the same argument for Biden. Nobody, 
was inspired by Biden. He hid in his basement. There's no way he got 81 million votes. And of course, we know that there's election fraud. That's what my point is. My point is that the only way that these people can overthrow the popular opinions of the masses is to rig the elections and then get their armies to uh, basically crack down on them. We're going to see this on full display now that 44,000 hours of videotape has been released by Kevin McCarthy. Made good. Kevin McCarthy made good. 44,000. You know who he gave it to? He gave it to Tucker Carlson. Wow. That's pretty big, too. So Biden's over there promising hundreds of billions of dollars to Ukraine while East Palestine is suffering. And you have on record Kamala Harris saying, we're going to allocate funds and resources, even in the cases of emergencies, uh, to uh, equity. We're going to use equity as a benchmark. not Because we can't always just help white people. We've got to help... Uh, we got to help based on equity. Equity is discriminating, segregating, um, quota-based uh, systems. So if you're going to do that, then why in the world are the people in East Palestine, why are they uh, paying their taxes? Shouldn't it be equal representation under the law? Shouldn't it be that, it, if, you know, ta- uh, ta- t- that, that there should not be taxation without representation? Shouldn't you get what you pay for in America? Well, they're not getting that in East Palestine. So this war, when you think about it, uh, this Ukraine war, not only are we giving money to Ukraine and not giving money to East Palestine, we're pushing Russia into the arms, the loving arms of China. Do you know that the sanctions have only impacted Russia by 2%? He gave a speech, and it's 2%. 2% impact negatively. He's got to pick that up in spades by actually doing doubling down and doing more business with Pakistan, oil distribution, because of the stupidity of the West in going climate, going with this climate initiative, because they want to control like tyrants their own people. And they want to expand NATO and threaten countries like Russia. And so the battle of the argument is... If Russia pulled out of Ukraine, uh, what would happen? Well, the war would be ended. That's what Jake Sullivan says. If the, if they pulled out of Ukraine, the war would be ended. And you say, well, that's not quite the... It's not that binary. Because for the last 15 years, people like Victoria Newland, our State Department, our CIA, have been killing people and setting up biolabs and setting up nuclear weaponry in the black market to fortify Ukraine, to threaten Russia. And they did it under the nose of NATO. NATO knew exactly what was going on. And NATO expanded their region, their reach, to from one country after the next. And after a while, Russia said, you know what? There's too much threat going on, too close to Moscow. We are not going to allow this to happen anymore. And the Donbass region and Crimea are mostly Russians anyway. If you took a poll of whether they would rather have Putin as a leader or Zelensky as a leader, they would pick Putin every day and Sunday. So bring it to a vote. But of course, the democracy, uh, in the name of democracy, that would be a no-no. And so Ukraine, basically, 
if uh, Zelensky just said that if uh, China and Russia get together and China starts giving Russia uh, deadly weapons, that's World War III. And so Zelensky has no problem starting World War III over his own greed. He's worth about a billion dollars right now. He's got houses in Miami and all over the place. They shop down at the Mediterranean and hang out. The guy's nothing but a comedian. He's corrupt. He puts Christians uh, to, to uh, he, do, he represses Christians. He knocks out his political opponents and he shuts down private media in lieu of state media. And they've done the same thing with the globalists censoring Russia. Russia Today, Sputnik, and um, R- Rupley, three major Russian outlets, no longer have platforms on YouTube or anywhere. They're not searchable on Google. You know, So the people that control the information are the people that are in charge of this war. They're dictating the war. But Russia gave a big announcement this morning, and it was that uh, the, uh, they're pulling out of this weapons treaty. So the blindly stupid foreign policy of Joe Biden is that he pushed Russia and China together. He basically mandated that BRICS compete with G7, which is going to crush our economy once the dollar no longer uh, once the dollar loses its uh, power as the standard in the world, and uh, new currencies flourish and emerge in the name of uh, BRICS. BRICS represents many more people. Let's see. BRICS population 3.2 billion. G7 population 777 million. So let's get to some audio clips, though, because what we have is we have a government that's lying to us. And we're going to start with this Bill Maher thing. I wanted to play yesterday, play it today. We're going to get to back to Ukraine. We're going to circle back, though, and we're going to talk about this. Uh, even Bill Maher, liberal Bill Maher, is questioning some guys from ABC who are on his show. It says, tonight on Real Time with Bill Maher, Maher discusses the oh, NBC news story on the COVID-19 natural immunity study, proving yet again natural immunity is better than vaccinated immunity. And Maher blames MSNBC and other left-wing media outlets for the lack of transparency on COVID. Let's take a listen to this because this really drives home what the media has been doing to our country. And it's the worst thing that's ever happened. Well, one of the worst things that's ever happened to America is we lost our free press. Because I saw in the paper today, kind of a big story, I think. I wonder how much it's going to get covered in the liberal media because it's about how natural immunity, they did a giant study, 65 countries, or maybe something like 65 countries, many, many different studies. They looked at them all. Natural immunity, as good or better than the vaccine. Something I've been saying since the beginning, and I get called an anti-vaxxer. That's not an anti-vaxxer. This is the kind of thing, I, you know, my problem with the media from both sides is not that you, you guys lie. It's that you tell me your side of the story that you want me to know. You don't tell me the whole story. I'd be curious as to how much play this story gets because I, I, I remember reading that they did a study of Republicans versus Democrats. The question was, what percentage, this is like a year and a half ago, what percentage of people who get COVID require hospitalization. 
The answer is less than 1%. Almost half of Democrats thought it was over 50%. They listen to your network. Where do they get that kind of information? That was you to you. That was clear. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That, think, that's no, bad I... information they have in their head, and it's from one side. Because I saw... Right. Vitamin D, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, uh, you know, it, it, stay active, go to the gym, don't close the gym down. Well, everything they did was wrong. And these same stupid leaders are now running us into a World War III because they're getting rich off of it. Because at the end of the day, someone like Lindsey Graham is basically uh, once America, blo- once DC gets blown up or something like that, he's going to be off on a jet in some island somewhere in exile. That's, that's what he'll be. And you know what really bothers me is in 2020, nobody really complained about this, but they used COVID. He exploited COVID like that to the hilt. Lindsey Graham basically got South Carolina's GOP, shame on them, South Carolina's GOP to basically not have a primary that year. The one year, because, yeah, say what you want about Lindsey Graham. He's the worst of the worst, but he's probably not as bad as the Democrat choice, especially when we thought that we were going to take control of the Senate. And that would have gone a long way in blocking people like uh, Katanji Jackson Brown or Brown Jackson or whatever, you know, and this equity Supreme Court system that they're trying to put together or pack at the time there was fear of packing the Senate and packing the court and and a whole host of other things. So, no, we, we needed a Republican, but that he would have not made it out of his primary. Lindsey Graham would have not made it out of his primary if not for South Carolina GOP basically saying there wasn't going to be any primary. And he got Donald Trump to endorse him because he endorsed... And the, and the reason why Donald Trump endorsed him, because Trump and, and Lindsey Graham really don't like each other. I, Lindsey Graham hated Donald Trump, and Lindsey Graham loved Joe Biden. And they've been fr- Joe Biden and Lindsey Graham have been friends forever. Since the early days, you know, since the 80s or 90s or whenever. Um, and I'm telling you, they've been friends for a long time. But what it was, was when the House, when the the 2018 election got rigged and the House impeached President Trump, that put power and control into the hands of the Senate. And after McCain died, the person that was in charge of the Senate, the two people were McConnell and Lindsey Graham. And they basically held the threat of impeachment and, and kicking Trump out of office over Trump's head. And used it as leverage. That's exactly what happened. It's a dirty business. But we have a fake news media. And this is killing America. We have rigged elections. And this is how these globalist tyrants are getting into play. 30, about uh, two minutes before, actually about 30 seconds before the show started. The show was starting. I tweeted this out. And I said... I said, uh, let's see if I can find it. Um, I have a picture of Joe the Plumber and Barack Obama. Remember when Obama said to Joe the Plumber, we're going to spread it around a little bit. We're going to redistribute the wealth. Well, Obama spread it around a little redistribution of wealth pledge. 
He said to Joe, to Joe the plumber, is now a full attack on the conservative voting base of America and beyond in the name of equity, open borders, and money to Ukraine, while white Republicans in East Palestine suffer. That's the truth. And the media won't protect the people. The media are protecting companies like Pfizer and BlackRock who are beholden to organizations like the World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab who are basically cozying up with government politicians and, in fact, endorsing, promoting, and getting politicians that believe their ilk into power. Powerful, they're penetrating cabinets, as Klaus Schwab said, to basically have a full control of world governance. And Biden is about to sign a WHO order that will give the WHO power over the United States in a pandemic. And you just know that it's not going to be every hundred years for a pandemic, right? It's going to be every other year. And it's going to follow an election cycle so we can get this mail-in voting balloting uh, perfected. Here is a, uh, here is a, uh, a video, uh, audio of uh, Kerry Lake. It's pretty good. And here it is. Joe Biden is the current president. Well, he's obviously sitting in the White House. Do you think he's the president? I'm asking you, but I'm just wondering, do you think if do you think that if the 2020 election was stolen, is Joe Biden the president? Do you think the election was stolen? I I have no comment. (laughs) Do you think that Joe Biden garnered 81 million votes? Do you think the elections were fair? The problem is that the American people don't have all the answers because the media is part of the problem. Media's not reporting it. Media's never reported our forensic audit fairly. They're not reporting what's happening in Georgia. They're not reporting on these ballot traffickers that are being paid to drop off ballots. Media is doing a huge disservice to this country. And the people aren't getting the full story. But eventually I do think they will. And the media, whose numbers are dropping, dropping like a rock, are going to continue to drop. And pretty soon nobody will be watching. Because the media has turned their back on the people of America and not been honest. ABC News, lying to the American people, saying that Russia colluded with Donald J. Trump to steal an election in 2016. And they knew that was false. They knew they were peddling lies. And they did nothing to stop it. It was a complete hoax and it was a lie. ...in our election and they refused to cover it. They refuse to be honest with the people of this country. It is disgusting what the media has done. And uh, I think their days are numbered when it comes to us. So th- this uh, video had some audio trouble. I, I, I knew ahead of time it was going to have some trouble um, because I played it before the show and it uh, did have trouble. But you get the idea. That was pretty much the full video uh, minus eight seconds. Um, that's that's so true. Now, listen to Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris, and then think about the fact that East Palestine is 95% white 
and FEMA is refusing to help them. Now, FEMA came around after Trump decided, you know, he was going to uh, go, go to uh, East Palestine. Let's take a listen to that real quick. And I'll be going, uh, as you know, on Wednesday, spending some time in Ohio where he should be. And uh, frankly, that FEMA should have been there a long time ago. And I announced that I was going and all of a sudden FEMA is sending a lot of money now and they weren't going to send anything. So I'm honored by that. But I'll be there on Wednesday. And I look forward to that. It'll be great. Those are great people. And they were abandoned, but now I think they won't be abandoned any longer. So now that Trump has decided to go out there on Wednesday of this week, um, that's great. But uh, here's what um, Kamala Harris had to say. It is our um, lowest income communities and our communities of color that are most impacted by these extreme conditions and and impacted by by issues that are not of their own making and I'm so women. we absolutely and so we have to address this in a way that is about giving resources based on equity, understanding that we, we fight for equality, but we also need to fight for equity, understanding not everyone starts out at the same place. And if we want people to be in an equal place, sometimes we have to take into account those disparities um, and, and do that work. Yeah, well, East Palestine people are not getting equal treatment to, say, non-citizens, Ukraine. How about this? The fact is Ukraine's not even part of NATO. So not only are we giving money to NATO, but we're giving money to Ukraine as well. And get this, they never even got congressional approval on this. There's no representation. There's no accountability. Like if a politician signed off on another $113 billion to go there, uh, that would be a problem. You know, $113 billion, um, and I... You know, Lisa Booth said yesterday it was $196 billion. Um, There's the numbers, uh, depending on how you look at them. But still, all of this money going to Ukraine, for what reason? It's a lost cause. There's no chance to win. That's the problem. You take a look at this guy from Scotland. Look, at, look Take a listen to this loser. Most senior positions in Scotland are filled almost exclusively by those who are white. Take my portfolio alone. The Lord President, white. The Lord Justice Clark, white. Every High Court judge, white. The Lord Advocate, white. The Solicitor General, white. The Chief Constable, white. Every Deputy Chief Constable, white. Every Assistant Chief Constable, white. The Head of the Law Society, white. The Head of the Faculty of Advocates, white. Every Prison Governor, white. And not just justice, the Chief Medical Officer, white. The Chief Nursing Officer, white. The Chief Veterinary Officer, white. The Chief Social Work Advisor, white. Almost every trade union in this country headed by people who are white. In the Scottish Government, every Director General is white. Every chair of every public body is white. Okay, so you don't see him, though, this libtard that is now taken over at... Uh, in uh, Scotland, uh, I guess his name's Humza Yusuf uh, of Pakistan and Kenya descent, not known for uh, recent white leadership. So here's this guy, radical lefty. Scotland has gone radically left, number one. 
Number two, uh, this it says, This odious little man wants to be the first minister of Scotland, a country that is 96% white. So what are you going to do in Scotland that's 96% white? And he starts attacking whiteness in the cabinets. Well, it's 96% white. I mean, what are you going to do? And the 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 uh, the uh, comedy here is that um, sarcasm. It says, "How how dare white people have leading positions in a mostly white country?" I mean, it's just it's 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 really radical thinking. All right, so impeach uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene says, "Impeach Biden or give us a national divorce." We don't pay taxes to fund foreign countries' wars who aren't even NATO allies. We aren't sending our sons and daughters, to die for foreign borders and foreign democracies. America is broke. Criminals and cartels reign. And um, Joe Biden needs to be impeached. It's probably true, no doubt about it. I don't think he should have ever been elected in the first place. Donald Trump says Joe Biden abandoned the people of East Palestine. Let's take, oh, that, that one we just played for you. Yep. My bad. <laughs> All right. So I'm just going through these things. Okay. So this was uh, Brian Kilmeade having a meltdown with Lisa Booth yesterday. Let's take a listen. I think we should when we're talking about something that could end up leading to a full scale war with Russia. You know, one, we've sent $196 billion of either committed or already sent money. Where is that money going? Is it being fully audited? I know watchdogs recently have raised concerns about how that money is being spent, that we don't necessarily know how it's being spent. And then also, what does winning look like in Ukraine as well? I mean, look, Russia took Crimea in 2014, also the eastern part of the Donbass region. Does winning also mean expelling Russia from those parts? Is that even feasible? Is it possible? What's it going to take? Sure. And then you've got people like Senator Lindsey Graham, with all due respect, he was fine with a 20-year war in Afghanistan. That wasn't long enough for him. And I interview a lot of people that's on my podcast. Uh, I, Lisa, I interview, that's not true. He's well, not what, was his, what was the exit strategy The, the exit strategy of Afghanistan was to hold the area, keep an eye on the terrorists, and make sure China and Iran know that we're there and we hold Bagram. Well, this president... Uh, idiotically thought it would be a great idea just to leave and embarrass ourselves and leave all our equipment there. Well, he, that, he was for not embarrassing the country. Well, I'd also like to say that, you know, I, I know that we all interview a lot of military uh, individuals on this show. Uh, you know, I've interviewed a lot of people on my podcast as well and combat guys, right? We, special forces, people who saw war, a lot of war in Afghanistan, the mountains of Afghanistan. So a lot of their friends die and they're all very apprehensive about what's going on in Ukraine. Absolutely. Real fears about how things are Who Lisa? Who I, invaded I who? That, it's Brian. not a matter of us being skeptical. What's the Let's just let them absorb all of Eastern Europe. Why not? Because they took a third of Georgia. We did nothing. They took Crimea, as you mentioned, in the Donbass. We did nothing. At what point do you think that we should sit there and watch history repeat right. itself again 60 years later? Are we that stupid not to learn from history? Brian, with all respect, what's the objective? What is winning? The objective like? is backing up an ally to make sure they're not absorbed by a evil nation. Right. What's it going to take to do that? We're doing. Well, see. Brian is basically saying invest in this war that's going to reach World War III uh, proportions based on something that hasn't happened yet. He thinks that once Russia takes Ukraine, uh, which Russia has no interest in taking Ukraine. They they have interest in taking 20 percent of Ukraine. Um, 
And there's a lot of politics associated with that. Um, that if you read read up on that, uh, they feel that they, they should have never lost Crimea to begin with. That was not never agreed to. Um, but in any case, um, he thinks that the next, the next stop is going to be Belarus, which uh, is unlikely. Especially, uh, and then uh, insinuating um, that he was going to, that, that they would go into Poland. Well, Poland is part of NATO already. That's already, like, that would be a suicide pact for Russia. So, in fact, uh, Russia has no designs to do any of that. But he's listening to a bunch of army generals that are in bed with Lindsey Graham, and that's where he's getting his politics. Listen to this dodo brain Lindsey Graham. I'm not worried about provoking Putin. I'm, I, I want to beat him. And how do you beat him? You beat him by giving the Ukrainians the military capability to drive the Russians out of Ukraine. You label Putin's Russia as a state sponsor of terrorism. You create international tribunals so we actually can try Putin and his cronies in an international court like we did after World War II. Don't worry about provoking Putin. Worry about beating him. And I've never been more optimistic about winning this war in Ukraine than I am right now. I see solidarity across the aisle in America and across the seas. Well, see, this is nothing new for Lindsey Graham. He's been on this war path with other people's bodies and other people's money. And he's a broker that's basically getting a commission on everything he sells, um, you know, on the black market. He's getting pennies on the dollar to greenlight these things. And he's the one that's creating the, 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 the uncomfortable threat against Russia that's causing the conflict to happen in the first place. So Lindsey Graham is to blame for the conflict that he's enriching himself on and his buddies in the military-industrial complex. And he's putting other people's lives at risk, but not his own. If he were willing to step up there and put a helmet on and strap on a rifle... And get up there on the front lines, I'd say uh, I, I would support him. I would support Lindsey Graham if he did that. Meanwhile, Joe Biden's going over there, you know, went to Ukraine, right? Now he's in Poland. And um, Jake Sullivan, Obama's guy, right? Basically got permission from Putin for Biden to fly over there. They've tried, The media spun it and said, Oh, he flew into a war zone. They put off a war, a, a siren for missile sirens. The media said there hasn't been a missile in this area for five days at least. There was no need for a siren, but as soon as Biden walked out and stood on a little red dot, um, being told where to stand, what to do, over in Ukraine, a a very corrupt laundry laundromat. Um. You got Jake Sullivan, part of the State Department and, you know, part of the uh, foreign policy and national security under Obama and under um, uh, Biden, uh, same kind of government and uh, working hand in glove with the State Department and people like Victoria Nuland to basically control a puppet country like Ukraine. Well, here he is basically saying that Putin gave us permission notify the Russians that President Biden would be traveling to Kiev. We did so uh, some hours before his departure for deconfliction purposes. And 
because of the sensitive nature of those communications, I, I won't get into how they responded um, or what the precise nature of our message was, but I, I can confirm that uh, we provided that notification. Did notify the Russians. So they got permissions, what they did. Let's listen to this great comment commentary by Rebecca Koffler. And you're also going to hear Brian Kelmead make a fool out of himself again. But this is a long clip. This is 11 minutes, but it's worth listening to. This one got a lot of attention. I personally recorded this one. I hardly ever do that, but I thought it was so valuable, this commentary about the war that we're in uh, in Ukraine right now. Let's take a listen. Rebecca Koffler joins us now. Uh, Rebecca, where do you think, uh, oh, good morning to you, where do you think uh, we're at right now with this conflict? What do you think the president's visit means? Well, where we are with this conflict is that even uh, chairman of the Joint Chiefs, uh, General Mark Milley, has admitted that there's no military path to victory for Ukraine. My uh, intelligence analysis tells me this war is unwinnable. Why? It's because uh, Putin's strategy is to outsuffer and outlast the adversary. Uh, Putin has assembled half a million of new recruits, 315 uh, joining the fight right now, 150 in training camps. Okay, as you just said, uh, Brian, this is typical Putin, typical Russia, just throwing bodies into the meat grinder. Putin also knows that there's fatigue right now in the United States and in the West because the taxpayer is realizing that they've been um, uh, being sucked dry, you know, with 196 billion, as Lisa pointed out, and they just can't continue forever. And so this oop-de-do strategy that uh, President Biden just pulled off with his visit is not going to stop Putin. Putin is not afraid. He has a plan. I described the plan in my book, Putin's Playbook, uh, which uh, you have, Biden completely failed at deterrence, failed at strategy, just schizophrenically throwing weaponry at Ukraine, hoping that somehow it's going to scare Putin. But unfortunately, it won't. Yeah, you know, Rebecca, to your point, I think a lot of Americans, you know, want to know what does winning look like, according to Zelensky? How much money is that going to take and how much Human suffering has to happen to achieve that goal. Here's what Zelensky stated repeatedly, uh, what victory looks like to him. It's evicting uh, the Russians from the entire territory of Ukraine. But is that feasible? It's absolutely not, because the Russians are entrenched, especially in Crimea. It's an existential uh, outcome of this war for Putin and for Russia. Um, and so it's just not feasible. And so somebody needs to realize that this strategy of just throwing weaponry is not going to work. Weaponry and technology do not win wars. Strategy does. And unfortunately, right. despite 10 years worth of signposts and every single piece of intelligence that we had back in the intelligence community, we had scores of wargaming predicting and going through this conflict and how it's going to unravel, right? And how it's going to unravel, it's, it's going to ratchet up 
if tensions are escalate, it's going to ratchet up all right. the way to a cyber Armageddon or nuclear Armageddon. Uh, President Biden knows this, and this is exactly why he's not deploying forces into Ukraine. He's not sending F-35s into Ukraine. It's F-35s are never knows- on the table. F-16s are on the table. Here, are you going to tell me that this is Vladimir Putin's game plan to lose 200,000 people in year one? His game plan was to win in one week. He had uh, officers going in there with police uniforms because they thought they were just going to take over Kiev and put somebody else in. So nothing that Vladimir Putin has planned has gone to what he wanted. Nothing that he has planned uh, in the beginning. You're absolutely correct, uh, Brian. He didn't take, he miscalculated how long it's going to take him uh, to run over Ukraine. everything. Well, not everything, not everything, because, again, Putin is planning for a relentless draining war of attrition, throwing people into the mid-grinder. Yes, they've lost 200,000 men. In World War II, the Russians sacrificed 25 million. With the population of Ukraine being 43 million, the Russians 143, you can do the math. That is prohibitive, so the conflict is going to go on forever. And as long as it goes on, Putin achieves his goal. His definition of victory is very different from ours. It's preventing us and Ukraine from victory. And it's the devastation of Ukraine. Ukraine right now is being decimated. Its industrial base is destroyed. Its agricultural base is destroyed. It's ceasing to exist as a viable country because we are providing its entire gross domestic product, 196 billion, 200 uh, billion was 2021. Uh, one GDP for them. They're entirely dependent right. on us. And right now, the Pentagon is already telegraphing to Ukraine that this is unsustainable because we're doing our own review uh, because our own weapon stockpile is depleting. Yep. Some of these uh, weaponry is going to take 7 to 18 years to replace. Ukrainians are having extremely high burn rate of ammo. 5,000 rounds a day. So our production capacity is simply outmatched. Again, Mm -hmm. this conflict reveals the Pentagon's inability to plan for anything, right? Mm -hmm. So right now, when China is actually looming, this is what I'm predicting right now. I see the writing on the wall just like what I predicted with Russia, right? China is gearing up for war, right? Xi Jinping has installed a wartime cabinet back in October. China just identified a glaring airspace security gaps in our defenses. And again, we, the Pentagon is basically, there's a malaise, right? There's intellectual laziness and there's mirror imaging. We, we think that everybody fights like Americans, everybody thinks like Americans. The adversary spent decades on figuring out our vulnerabilities. Okay. We're vulnerable in our cyber, uh, we're vulnerable in our space, and so we need to sit down and really think about how to go about these wars, how to prevent sure. them before... Rebecca? Yes. Can I ask you a question? You're you're talking a little bit. And and anybody who's just getting up, uh, Joe Biden is in Ukraine uh, this morning, this afternoon there. Um, You're talking about China may get involved militarily to assist Russia. Uh, And as we move into the second year of this war, what does that look like if suddenly China's feeding Russia stuff they need to blow us up? Exactly, uh, Steve. They already have. China is providing 
uh, drones to Russia that Russia has been using to try uh, to target Ukraine. As you remember, prior to February 24 last year, Xi Jinping and Putin met and they struck the so-called no limits partnership. Right? They're not true partners in um, in the true sense. They're more of adversaries, but they're marriage of convenience because they're both uh, hell bent on challenging the United States. Mm-hmm. So they are about to start providing, my intelligence analysis tells me, lethal weaponry. And so the major thing, the major threat that we should now be concerned about, instead of hyper-focusing on this conflict, which, you know, the Pentagon typically does, fighting the last war, we need to focus on the big picture. So here's the biggest threat, is if Russia and China challenge us in a two-theater war, we're going to have a really hard time prevailing. Because as as I said, we're depleting our own weapons supply. Military analysts are right now estimating that we're going to run out of weaponry in about one to two weeks if China invades Taiwan, which the estimate right now, my own assessment is going to happen during Biden's term. CIA Director William Burns warned us that by 2027, uh, uh, she already gave order to the military of China to get ready for war. She directly said every energy needs to be put in for that war. So two-theater war is something that I anticipate. Rebecca, what message does it send to China if we allow Russia to absorb Ukraine and don't do anything? So what what China, the lesson that China is learning right now, uh, Brian, is No, but just answer my question. If we just said, okay, take Ukraine, uh, that's too bad. Zelensky, you want want a uh, vacation home in the Caribbean? Why don't you go ahead and uh, take that? Uh, How soon do you think China would have taken Taiwan already? China would have would have taken it very quickly. Exactly. So I don't you, you have to perform. You have advocate, to, so you, right? You're talking generally. Mm-hmm. You have to talk in the real world. In the real world, Russia. Oh, I'm talking in the and, real world, but, but right? Russia invaded Ukraine. Either we help Ukraine or we allow it to be taken over. And understand the ripple effect will be goodbye Moldova, which is already happening. Goodbye, uh, goodbye Georgia, which is already they lost about two provinces. And then go go ahead and start mounting troops on Poland unless they flip governments. And they've already started to infiltrate into the Baltic nations. At one point, we're going to be fighting over there. So either Brian. you back Ukraine to fight, or you just give the Eastern Europe uh, back to Russia, and that really doesn't go well. Two points. Uh, first, with all due respect to you. Uh, there's a logical disconnect in your argument. On the one hand, uh, everybody is saying how tactically incompetent Russia is, how it's losing. How in the world do you think uh, Russia is going to attack Poland, which is a NATO country, which automatically will trigger Article 5 collective defense? They'd wait a couple Putin of years, they'd, rearm, they'd wait a couple of years, they rearm, and they would go. Do I think they'd be successful in Poland? They would just grind it out again by your theory. And that's what they would do. Suicidal. There's no intelligence, Brian. And I spent my intelligence career on this guy. Putin. uh, So he'd stop at Ukraine. He'd stop at Ukraine. He. Okay. Here's my assessment on what Putin would potentially agree to if we were to put a peace plan on the table. He would agree to uh, keeping the 20% of Ukrainians' territory. 
uh, Kherson, Zaporizhia, Donetsk, and Luhansk, which is pretty much the Donbass region is the industrial uh, base, plus Crimea. Right. So if we were to ever recognize, which so give we up won't, the country, give won't. up the give, yeah, Rebecca, not the country, twenty uh, percent, the most the most industrious part of the country, just give it up. Exactly. So we should just I'm give Texas to Mexico, this. and you know, they if they want it, the yeah. Parts of the uh, Donbass region, it's and been, also it's Crimea been, as well. It, it was a contested, yeah, it was a contested region. But yeah. the Crimea region is more of a uh, vacation spot. That's debatable. It never should have allowed it to be taken. Okay. Having said that. But to give up 25% of the country because they want it and think it's going to stop there is crazy. Well, I'm not advocating well, I, we gotta, that. I, we we got to go. I'm just telling Rebecca. you. So he cuts her off. But, um, you know, the thing is, is that basically what you could take away from that is you could take away the idea that, okay, so a small percentage of the Donbass region and Crimea which arguably Russia feel, feels belongs to them, uh, they're taking back. For a lot of strategic reasons, there's a lot of strategy there. Um, and you could have that debate. You could sit down at a table and hash that out. And we could have done that five years ago. We could have done that when uh, Russia first went into Crimea. But you had Obama as a leader uh, going up against Mitt Romney in the 2012 election, just before that election. He said... Like like some swine, he said, after the election, I'll have more flexibility. And so they're looking at the leadership of America as very weak. And then all of a sudden, Trump comes in. And Trump, there's no wars, no escalation, nothing. China basically was going to sign phase one, phase two trade deals. And we got out of the uh, stupid um, Paris Agreement that Elon Musk uh, was angry about, that Trump did that. And um, and so, you know, you have this situation where Trump basically was being very pragmatic and realistic about NATO and their aspirations and could have avoided this whole conflict. In fact, wanted to bring Russia into the G7 and make it a G8 and make Russia... Uh, prosperous with regard to the oil, make energy affordable, but the globalists didn't want anything to do with that business because they were pushing the green business. And that's why they did climate. And in order to push their business and in order to win that race, they had to rig the playing field. The way they win elections is they rig the elections. The way they win at commerce is to enforce and 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 deprive the people by taking uh, pricing uh, gas out of competition, by shutting down pipelines, by blowing pipelines up, and by destroying the other side. You know, the Sherman Act was started because the Rockefellers had Standard Oil and started blowing up their competition's stuff, and they ended up having we had an antitrust. Um, amendment. So, you know, when you take a look at this, is that these socialist, tyrannical globalists never want to compete. The reason why they can fly in their private jets and eat all that steak and drink all that wine is because they don't compete. They just take. And these government officials are basically spending other people's money, not risking their own, 
and getting kickbacks. Fauci got it in the name of royalties with Pfizer and a whole bunch of others. They rigged the system and they guaranteed themselves fortunes. That's the corruption of government. It goes back to this too. Exclusive. This is what the National File. Soros and Senator Obama at the time, Senator Obama, before he was president, funding records discover, uh, discovered for Ukraine Biolab that sparked bioterrorism fears. A notorious Ukraine Biolab revealed that it received funding from the Soros Foundation in a company document obtained by National File. And the Senator Barack, then Senator Barack Obama also announced a deal in 2005 to fund the Institute, according to records. The Institute handles deadly microbes and also works on developing vaccines, and it has sparked concern, and it could be used to supply bioterrorism in the region. And it goes on. I posted that on my social media. Explosive findings. Patrick Halley uncovers funding records linking Soros and Senator Obama to the Ukrainian biolab at the center of bioterrorism fears. Stay informed and demand accountability. All right, so there's this quick clip. We're going to play this real quick. This is about the 44,000 hours of footage. So for really more than two years now, we've been complaining about, and we think it's justified, the fact that the U.S. Congress has held thousands, tens of thousands of hours of closed-circuit camera footage from the public. They have not released any of it um, from January 6th. And January 6th, of course, is a transformative event in this country. It's been used to change the country. So there are about 44,000 hours. Uh, and we have, you may have read this today, been granted access to that. And we believe that access is unfettered. We believe we have secured the right to see whatever we want to see. Um, so we've been there about a week. Our producers, some of our smartest producers have been there uh, looking at this stuff and trying to figure out what it means and how it contradicts or not the story that we've been told for more than two years. We think already that in some ways it does contradict that story. And so we're going to spend the rest of this week taking a look at it, assessing it as honestly as we can, and we're going to bring you what we find next week. <laughs> That's going to be interesting, right? All right. Well, that brings us to the end of the Scott Adams Show. For a list of our podcasts over at the Scott Adams Show, visit scottadamshow.com to get our podcast. Also, if you can uh, want to help out and make a donation to our cause, uh, go over to magapack.org, magapack.org, and make a donation to support America First policies to make America great again. Please do that if you can. And also use Red State as your promo code over at mypillow.com. And with that, we'll see you next time on the radio. Just to bury my kids right up to there.